It's time for The Rush with OU color analyst Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Got a question or opinion? Hit the guys up at 405-651-3439. Or call the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wings studios, it's The Rush with Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Environments matter. Guys want to, you know, come and play in a, in a championship type of environment. You know, where it's passion. People are passionate. There's intensity. There's an expectation. There's high standards. Uh, there's support. And you know, this is an opportunity for us to show that you know we've been an uncommon program. We're not like we all play football, uh, but we all ain't the same. This is you know the winningest program in the modern era. This is a program that has set the standard in college football. Uh, for, you know, competing and winning, you know, championships. All right, Russia's back. Hour number two, Teddy Lehman here, Tyler McComas, separate locations today, Pierce, back in studio. I'm hanging out at Riverwind Casino. That was awesome. Coach Gundy yeah. there uh, in the previous segment, um, you know, talking about, you know, I, I think that is a good point that he brought up with Dylan Gabriel, um, you know, trying to find a new rhythm with those guys. Now, obviously, Drake uh, has been there, and Jal- Jalil Farouk was there last year, but it took him a while to find the groove with Farouk as well a year ago. But you talk about your, your pass catchers, three new guys, and I guess you're going to have, for the most part, new-ish guys out of the backfield as well. It's almost a full new group of, of skill position players for Dylan Gabriel. So I'm curious to see, like, is that a factor? And is that something maybe that we can can maybe tie into a little bit tomorrow to see how the chemistry actually is with those groups? Sure, yeah. And thinking about these wide receivers, too, is I know they haven't been – super explosive after the catch the past, what, two to three years now? At least not like we've gotten used to. I, I, I feel like Andrew Anthony is a guy that's explosive after the catch. He's got speed. I think even at times last year we saw Jaleel Farouk might make some nice plays after the catch. I think Gavin Freeman's going to have a, a bigger role this year. So, I mean, this kind of goes to this. I, I'm optimistic, I'll say that. I'm optimistic that this receiver core can be better after the catch than Maybe they've been in a few years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's a lot to that, right? Um, being good after the catch. It's play design. It's, you know, the ball has to be put in the right place. It's, you know, guys making the catch and being able to secure it, find a way upfield. It's convoy blocking by the other wide receivers. Um, it's play design. There's a lot to it. So, no, I'm with you. Um I'm with you. And, you know, I've had this conversation actually with, with Coach Gundy. I wish we would have had a little bit more time. You know, he says, or he said in a previous conversation that we had that the ball coming from a left-handed quarterback is actually a big deal. Um, I think that I had said maybe that who cares? It's not that big of a deal. It's still, you know. <laughs> of course you did. It's right just catch the football if it's in the if it hits you in the hands but 
you know, he said that it actually is a bigger deal. Um, you know, the way it spins into your hands, it's, you know, it's the opposite of what you're used to. Um, so there is a bit of a learning curve there. And I don't know, maybe maybe there was some of that a year ago. And I hopefully that doesn't become, a, a you know, an issue with the new guys. But I don't know. I, I, think, I think that is an interesting point, the chemistry there with that group. And, yeah, yards after catch I think is big. And But here's the real thing, you know, Tyler, we've talked about this. I think all of all of the things that we want from Dylan Gabriel, better underneath, uh, you know, better intermediate yards after catch by the wide receivers, the deep ball, uh, quarterback run game, all of that. I personally, I believe it is all directly linked back to the offensive line. Sure, it is. And if if our offensive line specifically guard uh, guard center guard the interior are more physical than they were a year ago are more competitive like we can we can run the football better uh, against stacked boxes against situations where we everyone knows what's coming Uh, we got to be able to move some people off the ball and i think the better that is is if you notice last year when our offense ground to a halt it was because we couldn't run the football we, we, we had to try and go super fast, try and catch people off guard. And whenever that wasn't working, we were almost incapable of doing anything. So, like, everything else is great. Deep ball, yes. Intermediate, sure. More accurate from Dylan Gabriel, hopefully. But we got to be able to run the ball downhill between the tackles much better than we did a year ago. Agree on all fronts. Uh, shout out to Britt Venables, by the way, that top of the hour audio clip for the new T-shirt idea. Uh, we all play football, but we all ain't the same. Uh, I think that that would sell quite well. We all play football, but we all ain't the same. That was that was pretty cool. He um, he he gave some comments last night, and this isn't a huge surprise, but makes you think that OU is going to be active in the uh, portal cycle after spring ball. Not that they're going to get ten to fifteen players or anything like that, but I think that there's a real opportunity. We could see three or four new uh, players via the portal this next cycle, and I think they're going to get one wide receiver out of the portal this weekend, and I would guess that they're always looking for defensive line help if they can find it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So what do you mean we could use some more defensive line help? What what are Are you hinting at something? No, I mean I'm just hinting that they need to be better at the defensive line. That's really the only thing I'm hinting at. I'm not hinting at Bear Alexander or anything, even though he said yesterday that OU has reached out to him this week. I don't have any name in particular in mind. I just, like, if they're going to add via the portal, well, defensive line's where you need to get better, and I don't think they're necessarily going to find a starter, but if they can find someone that's going to help them, that's probably the first place they would look, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, Yeah, well. Portal defense, like the kid from Georgia, like that's a rarity in the transfer portal, right, for defensive line. It doesn't really feel like there's been a whole lot of, like, just real top quality of defensive line that's that's been in the transfer portal up to this point, and it's super hard to land any of those guys. So I'm not saying it's impossible, but... It's I wouldn't not hold out hope. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's not. It's not likely for sure. No, don't, I don't hear hold you on your that. breath. But 
but you know i know that they're trying whatever they can and you know who knows that maybe they could land the the alexander kid from georgia but you're right um i i i think that i think that we'll be fine this year defensive line i don't think we're going to be great this year but i think we'll be with our schedule i think that we can be um good enough to win a bunch of football games you know i'm interested i had a long conversation today with uh defensive coordinator ted roof university of oklahoma mm-hmm. and he he seems to be fairly high on um Lulu moving down to the inside He feels like he could really, really bolster that group and potentially have, if he continues to, you know, dial in on the techniques and everything, he feels like he could uh, potentially turn into a big-time player for him there. Because he's tough and he's strong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Did you know, by the way, that uh, OU spring game is the sixth most interesting spring game that will be happening tomorrow? That's correct. Uh, On three – says the Alabama spring game, the LSU spring game, the Nebraska spring game, the Colorado spring game, and the Wisconsin spring game are all more interesting nationally than OU's tomorrow, which I guess bears the question, like, what is nationally? Like, we have all all, all of our storylines locally here. Nationally, like, what's the big storyline for this OU spring game tomorrow? Is it Dylan Gabriel? Is it somewhere else? I Nothing immediately comes to mind for me. I I don't think there really is one. That's why it's ranked behind all those other spring games. I, I think I would agree on all of those, except for maybe Louisiana State University. I mean, Dion at Colorado, thats it's fascinating. They may suck next year, but it's still fascinating. Just, you know, what's going to happen? Wisconsin, new coach, new, like a totally new system from what we've ever seen at Wisconsin, new quarterbacks up there vying for that spot alabama's you know they've got a quarterback battle going on like for oklahoma i you know i guess really the reason it's interesting is not necessarily any any position battles and i'm talking nationally there's things in there for us as as fans but nationally it's more about how do they look after going six and seven you know i think that's really the storyline is the University of Oklahoma, who you heard Coach Venables just say, the winningest team in the modern era of college football, just had their first uh, losing season in 25 years. How do they respond and what do they look like? I, I really think that's nationally the storyline. Yeah, like there's some hot takes that are formed coming out of spring games across the country. It seemed like everyone had a hot take about Texas last weekend, about how good they looked. Um, I don't really feel like there's necessarily a situation where – the opinion overall is going to change nationally on OU, regardless of what happens tomorrow, good or bad. I almost feel like the yeah. opinion's really not going to shift until the season starts and they start winning some of the close games that they lost last year. And that's fine. That's okay. But I think they're probably projected as a 21, 25 top, you know, right in that area to start the year. And I think I don't really think that there's anything tomorrow that's going to shift it all that much. And, again, that's, that's fine. That's, so, that's okay. Not a big deal. Right. Yeah. No, I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, anything to hit on the text line 
Peyton before we hit says a timeout? Probably a good thing that it's not too interesting. Yeah, it can be a good thing that it's uh, yeah, it's not too interesting. There's some truth to that. Uh, for the four oh five, more I asked interest that question. typically means the more uncertainty, right? I asked the question to Kale about ninety nine to two thousand, trying to draw some parallels to last year and this year. This text says maybe this does resemble the year after nineteen ninety nine. Maybe another lefty will win us a national championship. It's all lining up. What like what do you think? I know you weren't on the ninety nine team, but how do you go from losing five close games where you led in every single one to running the table the next year and going thirteen and zero? And at every sign of adversity that year, that team was able to make a play and make it right. Defense. I would say our offense. I don't know what the numbers are, but. I would say our offense, like statistically, maybe wasn't as good in 2000. I mean, they they were clearly good in big moments in clutch and not suggesting that they weren't good, but I think really the difference is how much better the defense was. The defense went from giving up a ton of second-half points in 99 to being a lockdown top five defense in the country in 2000. Like, that is a massive jump. And, you know, the other part of that is it wasn't it wasn't the defense it was in the national championship game in the first two, three, maybe even uh, four games of the year. You know, it was a, it was a defense that, slowly but surely got better and better and better week by week. The number 18 total offense in 2000, by the way. That's about right where I would have projected it, 18. Yeah. I mean, you had Florida State that was one that year. You had Nebraska that was six that year. Texas, who was 14. So you played a few offenses that were um, better than you statistically. You played the number one Oh, sorry. You, you played the number one offense in the country, I think, three times that year. Nebraska yeah. was the number one when you played them. Kansas State was the number one when you played them. And Florida State was the number one when you played them. But, it, I mean, that is the right answer is defense, man. I mean, it, OU's never won a national championship without an elite defense. That offense, offense was good, but think about the low numbers that those top offenses had. Florida State essentially scored zero. Nebraska had 14 early and then nothing through a pick six. Texas had nothing, 14 through a pick six. So it's it was like a low amount, and then there was also and some K State, scores on even, the other side to make it better. Well, K-State, uh, punt block for a touchdown. We can't yeah, get through a broadcast that. without mentioning that. It was that. I was, I was wanting you to mention it today. I didn't bring it up because I knew that you were going to have to. Yeah. My day's made. Right. But, you know, defense made a gigantic leap. Now, I don't expect this defense to make that type of leap, but you never know, right? You never know. I don't think anyone expected the 2000 defense to make that type of leap. Um, but you you get guys that come together, uh, feel something special is happening, and the more of a run you go on and the crazier things start to feel, the more guys – are invested and dialed into the season and don't want to let their teammates down and want to do extra and want to, you know, just continue to 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 pull in and be a tighter football team. So 
I, it would, it would, I, I would be hard pressed to make that prediction right now. But like I said, you just, you never know what may happen. One more before we hit a break from the nine one eight on the text line. Uh, I've answered this countless times this week. I have not heard you give an answer on it. Amazingly, how many people do you expect to be at the spring game tomorrow? I said earlier, what fifty five thousand is where I'm at. Where, where are you at for attendance tomorrow? You went from what fifty two k up to fifty five. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, I expect. Hmm. I expect that's such a good number. I will. Uh, I'll give the fan base more credit than you. I will. I will say. I'll say sixty k. Hmm. Well, hey, nice. Is this job a championship you, program or not, Tyler? Uh, I guess we'll find out this year with the bad schedule. Nice job by you. We'll find to out tomorrow. Somewhat give me a compliment on my number but then still somewhat bash me at the same time and saying that I'm not very confident and doubt the fan base. So thank you for that. I, right. I enjoyed it. Nice job. Very well done. That's right. That's right. All right, let's hit a quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hit the text line, 651-3439. Um, yeah, stay tuned. Plenty of show left. We'll be back. Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you this hour of the rush. Tyler and Teddy on a Friday, spring game eve. We will be at Yo Pablo on Campus Corner starting at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., and then from 4.30 to 6.30 for the post game. You can also catch us at Balfour of Norman on Campus Corner from 10 a.m. to noon. Time for our Under the Radar segment brought to you by Board Street Ventures. Board Street Ventures is a venture capital firm that provides funding and guidance for promising under-the-radar sooner startups. Learn how you can help support OU Innovation at BoyStreetVentures.com. This is a big text line segment for us, under the radar. So text line, fill it up, 405-651-3439. An under-the-radar player you think will have a big spring game tomorrow. Under-the-radar player going to have a big spring game tomorrow. Um, Does Gavin Freeman count as an under-the-radar player? I mean, we know who he is, and he made some plays last year. But if he counts, I will take Gavin Freeman as my under-the-radar player tomorrow. Sure, he counts. Okay, I, good. Whew. I would say that. I would say that there's not anyone on the team that does not qualify as an under the radar pick to click or whatever you want to call it for the spring game tomorrow. It was that bad last year. We don't have everyone's under the radar. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like. I wouldn't say necessarily that we have a superstar coming back on either side oh, of the yeah, ball. Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I agree you know? with that. So I, I, think, I think you could even say Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel came out, hit on two or three deep balls, had a, a really nice couple of runs in the, in the run game or pulling the ball down, was accurate underneath, ended up being like 15 of 18 or something like that, super efficient. I, I think that would qualify. I mean, I, uh, let's see what they're saying. Nine one eight says Jaden Gibson, Sugar Shane in Newcastle yeah. says Chapman is going to bust a long touchdown run. Four oh two says Justin Harrington. We got a couple Rondell Bothroids on here, including Drew from Flower Mound yeah. that says 
just realize that he's six foot three. I don't know why he was six one or something. I don't know. I don't know how tall he is. I know he's two hundred seventy five pounds, and he's productive. Like the, the dude is, he'll make some plays tomorrow, depending on how much he plays. Like I don't know how much he, he's going to play as a as a fifth year senior, but. He's productive. He'll get to the quarterback. He'll make a tackle for loss in the running game. And like I said, I've said previously, he's an unassuming-looking player out there. He may be listed at 6'3", but it wouldn't surprise me if he's actually 6'1". I, I, don't, I don't know what he, his measurable, measurables are exactly. I just know that the dude is productive. So I think that's a good take. Uh, here's here's uh, L.V. Bunkley Shelton, a wide receiver that – we don't talk a whole lot about. Uh, maybe you should talk about yeah. more. We'll see. PJ PJ Adabare is on here. Is PJ beat up a little bit? Like, is he going to be a full go tomorrow, or do you do you know the status of the uh, five star freshman? I do not know his status. Uh, I have not heard. Uh, why do you Why do you ask that? Have you heard that he may be a little banged up? I just, I just, yeah, I heard that he was like limited. I. I'm just wondering if that was the case, like, still now, or if, or if he was good and ready to go tomorrow. Yeah, I don't know. Um, good question. I wonder if Trace Ford plays much. Um, you know, we heard that he didn't play hardly any in the, during the spring. I mean, any of the practices I was out there, he wasn't practicing. But uh, sounds like he got some rushes in the other day. Uh, if he plays, I would expect it to be only a handful of snaps, perhaps maybe a series or two at the most, um, but I don't know about Adebare. General Booty at tight ends. Uh, Sooner Soldier huh. says the transfer from Michigan will catch a long yeah. touchdown. Yeah. D- d- does everyone know it's An- uh, Andrew Anthony, or are we just going to say, oh, yeah, that's a transfer from Michigan that caught that one? Are we, are we going to do that all year long? Well, whatever's fine with me, yeah. I'm just wondering. The kid from Michigan, yes. That's I'm I'm down with that. You know how I roll. Either that or a five. Yeah. General Booty is on here. Oki Drinkslinger, who was OU's last superstar returning? Was it CeeDee Lamb? Was the last time OU had a returning superstar? Or can you think of someone would you more qual- recent than C D? Would you qualify Mims as a returning superstar? That's the other one that I was thinking of, and I would say no to that because his no? sophomore year was down compared to his. He didn't have a superstar season his sophomore year, nor did he last year, so okay. I think it might be CD. Uh, okay, yeah. I think that's probably right. Too long. Too long is the answer here, regardless. Uh, Majors right. out, Barnes, so-so. Sawchuck, the buzzsaw, will be outrunning our defensive backs at will. Yeah, Sawchuck, I don't I don't know how much run he's going to get tomorrow, but if he looks anything like he did outside the fumble of the uh, bowl game, then uh, he could have quite a nice day for sure. Yeah. I, you know, I, and I think I've said this throughout the spring, but I, if you really if you really want a which you know what I think they sh- maybe this opens a can of worms or something but it would be awesome if they like tracked the player's fantasy score during the spring game up on the scoreboard or something oh, be sweet. but yes let's bet on it 
I, if I had to bet on who the leading rusher is tomorrow, I'd pick Tawi Walker. He's my MVP. I've said so, it all week. He's my like game it, MVP. If you want to classify that as an under the radar, call it whatever you want. Like he's he's incredibly durable, incredibly physical, and would be a guy that it wouldn't shock me if he had a bunch of carries tomorrow. Uh, that's our under-the-radar segment brought to you by Board Street Ventures. Board Street Ventures is a venture capital firm that provides funding and guidance for promising under-the-radar shooter startups. Learn how you can help support OU innovation at BoydStreetVentures.com. Okay, so there's everyone's under the radar. We've established that. But there yeah. are some names that we know more than others. What about playing time for guys like Stutzman and Billy Bowman? Were you just talking about a couple series for those two guys, extensive plays like what's what's the status for those two guys that on defense might be your one two best defensive players um yeah i would say that's actually a good question i would say stutzman will probably play more than bauman Uh, uh that would be that would be my guess but uh, then again, I'm not sure. The The ultimate goal is to get out of it healthy. We heard Coach Gundy say that earlier. Uh, this is a big deal. It's super competitive out there. You want to see the team look good. But really, you want to get out of it healthy. And uh, at positions where you're really thin, like, like Stutzman, I think Kip Lewis is his backup. Um, I... I it wouldn't shock me if he didn't play much, but I also would say that I don't know if he's in the position yet of a player that is like the guy that gets to sit over on the on the water cooler yet. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So I'm not I'm not that's exactly stat, sure right? on that one. It is. I, that's what I'm saying. Is I don't know that he's 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 got that status yet where he is. He's right enough to be one of the guys that doesn't have to play much. But that all changes yeah. whenever you're you're thin. Sure. Uh, by the way, the updated score, in case anyone missed it, uh, the white team retook the lead last night in some uh, Sooner Jeopardy. Uh, the white team now leads 6-5 to five going into tomorrow. Maybe there's some more points wow. that's available before we get to the spring game. But the defense has a 6-5 to five lead as we as we stand today. How exciting. Good stuff. All right, let's hit a quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll hit some things that caught my eye next. Stay tuned. West Yalagosny Law is bringing you what caught Teddy's eye. Think that hiring a lawyer will get you less for your injury claim? WYG firm fights hard to get you everything you deserve. Call or text for a free obligation, for a free no obligation consultation. West Yalagosny Law, 405-800-8080. That's 405-800-8080. Let's get to it. Story number one is. I just got a couple here. Um. And I know this really isn't anything new. We've talked about this before, but uh, some people may not have heard this. Matt Rule, who is the new head football coach at Nebraska, 
has uh, made it a point to get back to uh, their tradition and their history. Um, he's bringing Frank Solich back, who has uh, deep ties with the program. Hadn't been back since he was fired in 2003. Uh, I think he was like 58-19 as a head coach there. Um, so he's having him back. Has also, you know, I was surprised by this that, you know, Tom Osborne hasn't really been that big of a, a feature around the program. Uh, but Ruel has brought Osborne back as well. He's the keynote speaker at their their coaches clinic. So it's not a shock. Um, you know, we talked about how good Rule is at, at you know, uh, not, not not the political side of things, but like just working the the fan base, working the uh, the people around there, and being a part of the the whole culture there. So I think it's awesome what he's done, and I think that place is going to be nuts tomorrow. Oh, it, it probably will have the the largest spring game attendance in all of college football. At least I wouldn't be surprised. They're known for having seventy five thousand plus at their spring game. Yeah, it's always a good idea, man. If you're at a school that's had history, to kind of embrace that. There was at least one coach in the 90s that didn't do that. I felt Bob did that kind of immediately, didn't he? And it's almost really like a sign of respect. You know, it's like we know what's happened here previously. Great things have happened. We're going to embrace that. We want those people around the program. It's not like an ego trip. Like, we want you to be around. Well, you know, and I'm not the expert on it. I don't really know, but I think – I think Bob brought Bosworth back, and that was the – I feel like he brought him back in, like, 99 and 2000, and that was the first time that the Boz had been back to Oklahoma. Like because, I don't know, it came out with the book and stuff. I don't know. There yep. was some bad blood there. And I think that was really kind of the first part in getting Bosworth back around Oklahoma. But, yeah, um, and, he, you know, he's also talked about a lot of the things that Nebraska has done in the past that they need to get back to, and one of them – is the physical run game. So I'm interested to see what exactly they do offensively. Now, um, the uh, the Thompson kid is still there. And did they get that Georgia Tech quarterback transfer up there too? I don't remember. I know they got the Georgia tight end transfer, right? Eric Gilberts. Isn't he at Nebraska this year? Um, I did yeah, see Casey Thompson's name on a list of potential quarterbacks that could enter into the portal after spring ball. So, yeah, I don't think by any stretch. Yeah, I don't think he's just given the the starting job again. Right. Um, And then uh, the only other thing that I had was, how about this? Uh, Jamison Williams is among four Lions players, plus a Washington defensive end suspended for gambling. Uh, suspended for violating the NFL's gambling policy after an investigation by the league. Uh, they The NFL announced it, and it said they did uncover no evidence indicating any inside information was used or that any game was compromised by the players' betting. But uh, it says they came to our attention that a few of our players had violated the, the league's gambling policy these players exhibited decision-making that is not consistent with our organi- organizational values and violates league rules. And this is one of those things where I keep talking about it. I, I understand it's league rules, but I still believe that these players' um, privacy is being violated by the NFL and 
whoever is running these gambling web- websites for putting their information out there. That's yeah. just Shit. me, though. Shame on these guys. I mean, it's a league that's really run by gambling. Fantasy football is a huge deal. Daily fantasy is a huge deal. Betting. But, God, if you guys do this, we'll come down on you and make it public. I I think it's a bit of a joke. Yeah, that's just me. Um, First one I have, and we mentioned it yesterday while you were out. Congratulations to former Sooner, and more importantly, your boy, Brandon Moore, who got the head coaching job out at San Diego. He is leaving the Colorado School of Mines after a national championship appearance. We were joking yesterday that, wow, uh, Brandon Moore really has a type. He was at Scottsdale Community College fighting artichokes. Then he went to mm-hmm. Colorado School of Mines or Diggers, and now he's yeah. going to the San Diego Toreros. So he likes the unique mascots at the places he coaches. I told him yesterday, I said, hey, uh, keep keep climbing the ladder, man. Saban's going to retire here in a couple of years. <laughs> that Alabama job's going to be open. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, second one I have, OU softball trying to avenge their only loss of the year at Baylor, which that was always going to be a big deal. Please tell me you saw what uh, one of the Baylor players said last night. Basically, well, we beat them once. OU's got all the pressure on them. All the pressure's on them. Yikes. Big mistake. Well, I, I heard the – Toby played the audio this morning. I think she said – I think OU's – she said, like, we're 1-0. and OU's the one that's intimidated. Right, <laughs> yes, yeah. Something like that, yeah. That's not going to hey, work I out I like well it. What Baylor. are you going to say, though? I mean, you know, they're confident. I got nothing – I got no problem with that. Now, they're going to get hammered, wrong, but, you know. not, There's nothing wrong with it, but it's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> Did you, like, still do this to yourself? <laughs> what, what, are you, what are you guys uh, doing? Great. Come on. Um, quick check-in on Cade Horton, who was dominant last year for the OU baseball team. So he's the number four overall Cubs prospect at this point. Yeah. And I guess he's he's had a really, really good uh, rookie season. He pitches, I believe, for the uh, for the Myrtle Beach team, the, the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. He the had Toledo an outing Mud recently. Hands. <laughs> yeah. He had an outing this week, four innings pitched, zero hits, zero runs, and seven strikeouts. So... The Cade Horton we saw in Omaha is the Cade Horton we're seeing in Myrtle Beach. Upper 90s with the nasty slider um, coming oh, well, in there. He probably picked up another pitch in two or six days like he did last year. Two days, however long it awesome. was. Good stuff. All right, is that it? Uh, OU Texas baseball tonight in Austin for a three-game set. OU um, – Needs to start racking up the wins if they're going to make the uh, Big 12 tournament this year. That that needs to go ahead and happen. Can they can they pull off a series win against Texas? You know what? Let's bring the optimism. OU takes two out of three in Austin this weekend, huh? Nice. No one come okay. after me on Monday if I get that one wrong. So just just trying yeah. to send everyone to the me- oh, into the weekend with a good mood. Good vibes only. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up our number two next. It's the rush on the rest. All right. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman taking you into a spring game weekend. I'm at Sooner Station, University North Park in Norman. It's the spirited senior living community you've been waiting on. Innovative senior living right here at Sooner Station. University North Park in Norman. Check out all of their floor plans, two bed, two baths, one bed, one bath. 
They even have some private suites at Soonerstation.com. And trust me, if you go to Soonerstation.com, check out all the amenities they have. Uh, very, very impressive. Teddy is at the Riverwind Casino. And OU got to commit today in the 2024 class. Remember me telling you about Isaiah Autry, three-star offensive tackle, who is the second cousin of Marcus Dupree? Well, he committed today to the Sooners at 1 p.m. for OU's fourth commit in the uh, 24 class. How about this? Um, and while just a three-star, Tyler, the list of offers that he has is pretty impressive, right? Bama. LSU, uh, I think Oregon is maybe in there as well. Uh, Florida State, I think, is there. So, yeah, you look at the three-star. who's who. Don't get hung up on that. Like six foot six, 280 pounds. Marcus Dupree told me today, Ted, he's like, oh, he's a big kid and he's only going to get bigger. Uh, so this is, like, just judging by the offer list, he'll be a four-star at some point, at least I would think. Wow. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um Hopefully he gets bigger and has a, a hint of the athleticism that Marcus Dupree had. That's awesome. That's one yeah, of those that I feel nice. like is uh, uh, starts off as a three-star, maybe a little bit under the radar because of that. But by the time the ink hits the paper uh, in December, that we may be talking about something special. From the state of Mississippi, just like his cousin Marcus. Yeah. And I... Marcus was obviously from Mississippi. Um, LaColton Vester was from Mississippi. Can you remember any other? Like, did you have anyone on your team that was from Mississippi? Like, no one immediately comes to mind. No. Not not that I remember. You know, it, it was, for the most part, it wasn't exclusive, but... I feel like for the most part it was Florida, Texas, Oklahoma, and then some like onesie twosie guys sprinkled in from other places. Yeah, like Colorado. You had what Wolfolk was from there, right? Yeah. Uh, a couple, a couple from of California. guys from Colorado. Yeah, but it was kind mm-hmm. of a regional recruiting approach, and then Florida was in there. Now it's two guys from Washington are on the team. You're hoping to get a four star backer from there. You got a guy from where New Jersey that's on the team. Uh, kids, plural, from Nebraska now. Um, it's more nationwide than it's ever been, and that's definitely the, the case for OU, which is fascinating. But, uh, yeah, so he had – Isaiah Autry had an Alabama offer. He picks OU instead. And I was just reading a Bama story throughout the break about new quarterback, new coordinators, same old Nick Saban, how is Bama handling its latest challenge. We've seen contenders before rise up against Alabama. Clemson, probably the most notable one, but Bama ends out ends up winning out in the end, right? Does does this Georgia threat? Does it feel like it's the most serious threat that we've seen to Alabama's reign at the top of the sport? Because it feels like Georgia. I, I think Georgia's overtaken Alabama, but Georgia's like another title away from like really running away with it. Yeah. Um... To three-peat in this era, the playoff era, would be incredible. And let's see, they made the national championship in 07. And gosh, yeah. had it won. Uh, yeah, sorry, uh, 2017. Have they made the championship another time and not won it? No, 
No, the other two times they've, they've won it over, what, Bama and, uh, wow, who did they beat? Uh, TCU last year. Bama and TCU. Um, yeah, I. it's impressive what they've done. I think just the law of averages would say that they don't win it this year. I, that, I don't think that that means that they have to have a, a down year. I just think that, you know, new quarterback, I, sometimes after you've won it a couple of times, it's hard to continue to, to gear up for the fight. And, you know, people just tend to get a little lackadaisical in there. They're still going to be incredibly good. But, yeah, I think this is the biggest threat. But I would say, honestly, I don't. I wouldn't. I would con- consider Michigan perhaps the big threat to to knock Georgia off this year, not necessarily Alabama. Yeah, um, they don't have elite quarterback play, but it's the best their quarterback play's been in a while, right? So, yeah, I mean they've got Ohio State's number, they got Penn State's number. If J.J. McCarthy can just be not the worst quarterback in the playoff like last year, then I wouldn't be shocked if Michigan finally gets over the hump. But that's what's going to have to happen. Right. They need better quarterback play. Yep. Oh, that's right. Um, now they're going to be dominant on the line of scrimmage. Um, I don't know. I've, but you're right. Alabama is uh, – this is a big year for them. It's not like they've been bad, but uh, you know Nick Saban is hungry and angry and does not want they to keep answering a year like questions this about how good Georgia is. They, 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 they right. haven't had this feeling going into a season in a while, don't you feel it? Like? Probably since the last Clemson National Championship in 2018. So I guess it hasn't been that long. It just seems like forever. Yeah. But, yeah, there's a lot of urgency for Bama to, like, you know, beat Georgia when they get the opportunity this time. Well, remember, everyone said that they'd never win another one right before the season they did. Uh, so yeah, no kidding. We'll see. All right, quick timeout. we got the final hour of the rush coming up next. Stay tuned.